everybody and welcome to Rocking Realities. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to introduce today's guest, David Dries. Most of you will probably recognize him as the lead singer of bands like Accept and Bonfire. He just released his new solo album in March, which you all definitely should go check it out because it's awesome. But without further ado, here it is, my interview with David Dries. Please enjoy. Hey, David. So great to talk you. too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Thank you. So how are you doing? Uh, we're dealing with it. It's uh, been a crazy few months, but uh, it seems like it's getting better. Yeah. You're, uh, you currently live in Italy, don't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, are, you, are you already allowed to go outside again or do you still have to stay at home? Yeah, we can go outside. My wife and I, we will, uh, after the interview, we go to uh, Rollerblade. We do a lot of outside walking and try to stay fit, you know? Yeah. Keep moving. I see David Bowie on your wall in the back, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I love David Bowie. Ah, great. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of posters there. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, my first question, um, how did you uh, get into music in the first place? Like, um, what made you realize you wanted to do singing for a living? Oh, actually, it's a long story, but I'll try to make it short. I, When I was in elementary school, I would always watch the choir when I'd walk through the hallway. And one day I tried out and I made it to the choir. It was mostly girls. And in those days, my society, the American boys, would beat you up because it was kind of a feminine thing to do. So they would chase me and beat me up after choir practice. So it got to be where I was frightened to go. And uh, my music teacher, her name was uh, Frau Harnick. And... Uh, before I had stopped singing, we did a concert together. She played acoustic guitar and I sang Yesterday by McCartney and the feeling was unbelievable. But then I had the other side with the neighborhood boys. So uh, I stopped and she came to my house and begged my mother to uh, have me continue because she said I had a talent that I should use, but I didn't want to get my ass kicked. <laughs> so I quit. <laughs> But that was the moment that I knew I'd love to sing because that feeling I still feel, I still remember that feeling today. It was unbelievable. About 250 people in my school. So it was great. Yeah. It's amazing uh, the, the, the feeling when you listen to music or when you can play music yourself that you really love it. Just, it's really amazing. I, there are two types of musicians there's a player, the singer, or actually three players, singers, and listeners are the third. Because without the three together, it doesn't work. Yeah. You, you create something and everybody feels it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe. And, and when you first started to write songs, um, what inspired you to write the songs? And the, do the same things still inspire you today or did that change over the time? When I first started, I, I was very inexperienced. You know, you, you, you would steal ideas. You know, my favorite bands were Led Zeppelin and UFO. And, and you know, I tried to emulate those guys in the Judas Priest style. I, you know, we tried to steal the riffs and make them our own, but they were very similar. 
But as you get older and you learn, you know, about songwriting, um, in the old days, after I got my first record deal, you know, they told you, we need a hit song, we need a pop ballad, we need this, we need that. So you kind of follow the rules because you need, you want to stay, you know, um, relevant, I suppose. But now it's, it's better because I don't have to do that. I, I can write lyrics about what I'm thinking about, what I see going on in the world. So there's not that pressure to write that hit song like, whoa, whoa, baby, baby, da, da, da. You know, you don't have that formula. So that's what's changed. You know, I, I've learned over the years to say something with words rather than, you know, the cliche that you've heard five million times, you know. Yeah. I hope that makes, I hope it makes sense. But yeah, it does. I, I feel more freedom now is and, and I'm getting older and I, I, I feel more confident as a writer and I writing songs. I real I learned a few years ago. I have to do all the time. If I have a small idea, I write it down. I record on my phone. You constantly have to work on it because if you stop, I think you kind of lose the momentum. I think the harder you work at it, the easier and better it comes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's, I think it's probably the same with playing instruments because you have to keep working on it. Even if you're, you've played for 30 years, you still have to pick up the guitar or bass or keyboard or whatever you're playing because if you don't play, you uh, just doesn't work. You have to keep working. At Michael it. Sanker said this. He said this to a friend of mine. He, he said, my friend uh, manages uh, Graham Bonnet and uh, actually manages me too. And he said... He noticed that Michael Schenker was playing acoustic guitar constantly. And he said, man, don't you get tired of that? And he said, no, I've just realized how much possibility there is on the guitar. I know nothing. And Michael's 65, and he said, I'm just starting to realize more about the guitar than I never knew before. So I have to play every day to discover. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, he's constantly playing acoustic guitar alone and trying to learn new ideas, techniques, and keep his hands, you know, in shape. Yeah. Um, like the voice. It's like the voice. It's a muscle. You must sing all the time, you know. You must sing all the time to keep the yeah. voice loose. Um, when you're singing, do you have, uh, like, a warm-up routine that you do before a live show and also before recording? And is it different before a live show? Like, do you have a different warm-up routine before you... Thing, yeah, it's different. <sighs> it's a different feeling. I mean, it, it, the cool thing about the last few years of my life, I've, I've, I've actually been excited. I don't have a home studio. <clears throat> and the reason I don't do that is because I cannot produce myself because I sing something really good, I think. And then I listen back and go, that's not that good. Or I play it for somebody and they go, eh. But if I work outside of my house, I find that I somebody pushing me, I, I sing better. I can perform to the, the engineer or the producer. And that's why I, I like to leave my house. Um, as far as studio work, the, the difference is, is I've been really excited in the last few solo albums to actually go and work, you know, and, and sing the songs. You know, you think in a different way, you know. And so a lot of times you learn after you make an album, when you're playing the songs live, you think, wow, I should have sang it this way. It's better. You know, when the old days, you used to play the songs that you wrote live, and then you would go, save money and go record and you gave the songs time to grow now you kind of write the songs and go record them because playing live is very limited 
the warm-up thing is I sing to the radio when I go, or I'm singing the song on the way to the studio, which is about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But live, it depends on how many shows I have. If I have, like the UDO Steel Factory tour, that was a, a grueling tour. That was like 28 shows with just a few days off. I would warm up 30 minutes. Matter of fact, the first night I hadn't seen Udo for years, 2010. And we were both in the same bathroom and I was warming up and he said, shut up. <laughs> I said, I have to do it. He goes, no, you don't. Just go do it. I go, come on. And I went to vocal school. Am I going to warm up? He goes, eh. You know, that's his style, my style. But if you do, you know, say five, six in a row, you kind of check the water when you wake up middle of the day after you talk a while you go oh, i better warm up or i better not sing hard tonight because i have three more shows to do so that that's the difference you know because you're not sleeping in your own bed you're driving for hours the weather it can be really hot one day and the next day you drive to scandinavia and it's snowing and you're freezing to death uh many factors you know you just have to keep take care of the muscle you know cover your neck and uh sleep a lot and don't drink alcohol try to yeah. Be healthy, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to talk about your new solo album that just came out in March. Kakakufin. Oh, God, I can't say it. Cacophony <laughs> <laughs> uh, of sports. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, um, I especially would like you to, t uh, to ask you about two songs because I, have, I think I have like two favorites on the, the album that I really, really love. I love the whole album. It's Great job, really. Thank you. And the first one I'd like to talk to you about is Metal Wars. Uh-huh. Um, because there are two lines in there that I'd like to ask you about. And the first one is, um, the rumors were true that Brotherhood saved us from all of the fools. And the second one is, uh, there's nothing they can do because music has saved us from all of the tools. I'd really like to hear more about that. Brotherhood has saved us from all of the fools. I mean, that that is... It's music is a brotherhood, yeah. Being in a band, I've kind of changed my feeling about democracy. I, I used to want to be a group of men or women that were all in this together. But, you know, you, you find certain hierarchy in a band. It's usually the singer and the lead guitar player are the main songwriters. It's never equal, no matter what anybody says. There's always so many dynamics, right? So, But it is a sense like a brotherhood. But I was speaking more about... The people, you know, live shows and uh, uh, that unity. That's what that line is. And the other one is about tools. Can you repeat the line? Because my mind is went blank. Music has saved um, us from all of the tools. Yeah, exactly. Ah, tools in English mean dumbasses, stupid people. Like, and typically that's the managers, the business people. Uh, you know, we're not doing it. <laughs> I've experienced the 80s where you had to write formulatic music to be on the radio. And 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 really, right here, you knew, man, this is horrible. I, I can't do this. But you did it because it was corporate. And that that kind of is a, an expression of me, you know, to the tools, the guys in charge. And most of those people that I've met in my life, a few that are very successful, most of them don't know what they're doing. You know, they think they have an idea, but and you follow it, and it's always a disaster, you know. But part of that also, too, comes about five years ago, or maybe longer, I learned to say no. If I didn't agree with something, I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. 
And it was amazing when I said that, because when I said, no, I'm not comfortable with that, everybody went, okay, what does it make? What will it take to make you happy? And I thought, you know, 30 years of being in this business, if I would have just said no so, many, so much time earlier, maybe things would be better. Because if you stand up for what you believe in, then they say, oh, we can't control this guy. You know, we want to work with him, but now we have to compromise. So that, that it's all kind of connected to that whole experience, the metal voice, because that's what it is. You know, it's, it's funny. We didn't write the song for, for the podcast. It, uh, Andy Susimil came up with the title, Raise Your Metal Voice. And I went, hey, it, it wasn't specifically written like the promo said for that podcast. It just came out that way. And uh, I just kind of started writing about my experience with live shows with the lyrics yeah. against his riff. Yeah, uh, and I really like the lyrics because I know that feeling when you feel like music saved you because, uh, I mean, I love my life and it's, I have an amazing life, but part of it why I love my life so much is uh, because of my passion for music and how much music really gives me and um, the feeling I have when I'm standing in the front row and see my favorite band <laughs> play live. Uh, there's nothing like it or uh, yeah it's just remember when i was my, my first big concerts would be like aerosmith in 1977 and yeah. the rocks album was out and we were fanatics for the band and they played like every four months in my city so the gate would open and we run to the front and it was like five dollars to see aerosmith and then heart would open or ted nugent and we'd be pressed up against the barricade i mean well, we didn't have barricades in those days we'd be against the stage so many times your hands are on the stage and Steven Tyler or the artist would step on your fingers and you said, he stepped on me. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I know the thing. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah. I had a friend we saw uh, CC Top, I think in 2015, and she was in the front row. And when I was I was further in the back and later she came to me and was like, I got sweat of Billy Gibbons on me. I'm never going <laughs> to shower again. <laughs> <laughs> I got spit in the face by Steven Tyler. I was about 16 and I said, I'll never wash my face again. And he was always spitting while he was singing. He spit right in my face. And I said, that's the coolest thing that's ever happened. My friend goes, man, I'm jealous. He spit on you. It hit you and not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I'm too young to have seen a lot of the bands that I really love, but I'm really trying to see as many as I still can see uh, go to the yeah. shows whenever they come. We're getting older. Try. <laughs> I mean, Tyler's still doing great. So is Jagger. I mean, we lost Bowie. It's horrible, but yeah. uh, Lemmy, we've lost and many greats. You know, they're, we're getting older. I mean, it's, you know, I never got to see Paul McCartney. That's been kind of my dream. You know, I want to see You I've saw? Seen, I've seen him three times. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Paul, Paul is amazing. He's, he's yeah. doing a great live show. Yeah. What an amazing talent, huh? Yeah. The Beatles are really the band that really got me into music. There were bands before, like I loved ACDC before I got into the Beatles, but they were the ones that, that really got me. And you don't realize how great he really is. And then you listen to the band Wings, you know, after the Beatles and the Ram album and all these songs, and you go, wow, he was so important to the Beatles, just the way he writes melodies. And then you listen to Queen... And you know that Freddie listened to the Beatles and you can tell that he stole a lot of those harmonies and the Beatle ideas. They were so important to rock music. There'll never be another band that big in the world, ever. I don't yeah. think. 
Yeah, they were really amazing songwriters too. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Okay, well, maybe we should come back to you and you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's another song I really like, and that's Another Life, Another Time. Uh, can you tell me more about that? The story about the song lyrically is my wife and I were in Bulgaria last summer in May. I played with a band called John Steele. I actually did an album with them uh, last this year in January before the virus hit. Thank God I was able to come home. But they asked me to do a lot of gigs with them. And then when I have free time, I go to Bulgaria or I go to other Eastern countries and play with them. And uh, typically we sit together on the flight and my wife had never been to Bulgaria. I said, come on, please go. She's like, oh, okay. You know, because in the beginning it was great for her, but you know, being backstage and everything. But now she's seen so many of my shows. It's kind of boring, but new countries are an adventure for her. So we were flying and, but at this day we were, there was a man between us and we were leaning over and yelling because of the sound of the airplane. And my wife said, uh, ah, another life, another time. Cause I couldn't hear her. And I went, ah, I wrote that down <laughs> on a napkin. I think a napkin. Yeah. Nadia. And, um, so I, I called Andy and I said, Hey, I got this idea, you know, and he goes, Oh, that's a cool title. So basically, have you seen the video? Yeah, I have. And my brother, Bob Reese, did it. And he went back and found, he has a film restoration company, and he's just starting to make film. He's a retired military guy. And he had all of this 8-millimeter film of me and him as boys and photos and, and everything. And my brother and I have recently connected in the last two or three years. Uh, we kind of grew apart. We're only a few years apart. So it was really nice. And he said, I would, what do you think of this? I said, try this video. It's about my life. And in some of the live footage, you see my first band. I'm wearing the stupid leopard skin uh, spandex. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was playing clubs and big, you know, we were kind of like a popular band then called Dare Force. And we were playing big clubs and big theaters and opening for Cheap Trick. And so I just wanted to kind of have the song is about my life, my journey. Um, I think even Steven Tyler said life's a journey, not a destination. I mean, and. That's what it's about. That was in my life before and another time. And, and it's, it's, I hope it still keeps going. I think that's the message. I'm not sure, but. Um, so um, after everything that you've achieved already, is there still something like a specific, specific goal that you still like to achieve? Mm, yeah, I want to do another big tour. Um, this year has been, I mean, I don't want to be selfish because I know a lot of people have suffered and died, especially here in Italy. But last year I was, you know, supporting the album Resilient Heart. Um, I had called Udo's manager and I got offered the special guest slot. I want to be on stage. I would like to have one more, at least one more big tour like so. And I have another solo album I'm working on now with Malta and Andy, um, with the time we had, we said, well, no shows, let's just write another album. So we're doing it in the same direction as, as um, Cacophony of Souls. It's going to be a little heavier, I think. But uh, yeah, I want to do another tour. I really want to go tour, maybe go back to America. I mean, I haven't played America for a long time. But it's not so good to tour America. I mean, people don't go 
to shows. Really? Unless you're Guns N' Roses or Bon Jovi or Aerosmith. I mean, there's kind of a, a way it works in America now. It's four bands. Cheap Trick, Ariel Speedwagon, Kansas, Foreigner. They always do the same four bands every tour. And people are sick of it. I mean, it's like, oh, I saw that five times. They play the same set list. This is boring, you know, come on. But promoters, they know they'll sell tickets and it's safe for them to have Journey or some bands like that, you know. But even the clubs are closing there, especially with the, the pandemic. Many clubs are losing their, their license and, and their business. I really would like to go home and tour the, these songs in front of my old audience and then back in, you know, in Europe and just and, and do a really heavy tour, you know, two, three hundred shells next year. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, do you know if the two dates that have been canceled for this year that were already planned, are they going to be rescheduled or are they canceled completely? Nobody's talking. It's uh, yeah. it, the big festivals. Yeah, they just move next year and they're not even sure because if another wave comes and they're terrified because insurance uh everybody may have to be vaccinated before they can go uh everybody's so scared you know that i've tried to rebook my shows and they say oh let's wait another few months to reschedule but i know a lot of the bands are fighting for whatever opening is available so i think next year if it opens it'll be even more competitive you know, for bands to uh, to get their dates rescheduled because many bands have lost 40, 50 gigs this year. Yeah. You know, that's not even a real tour. A real tour to me is 150, 250 shows. That's that's a real tour. Yeah. You know, if you do 25, 30, that's, you know, five a month. That that's That's not touring. But I really don't have the answer for that. I've, everybody says, yeah, yeah, call me next month, blah, 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 blah. I've even read that record companies are not signing new bands now. Um, they're they're frightened to uh, yeah. release, release. Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard about <clears> that. I know that they think now because people are home that record sales are up. But I talked to some people in the industry, <clears throat> excuse me, that are very um, high level. And they said streaming has done okay, but physical sales have not really boomed like everybody's talking about. So nobody's has a job. Yeah. So they can't reach in their pocket and spend 20 to 50 euros for a new CD. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it's very sad for me. Very sad. Yeah. I really hope that when live shows are possible again, that fans actually will buy tickets. Uh, because I think some people maybe still will be afraid to go to, to big stadiums and to really big concerts with a few thousand people. Exactly my point. I mean, the big promoters are, I mean, if they force everybody in the audience to have proof of a immunization, um, how many people will actually go, okay, I'll get my, my shot and then I'll go see Judas Priest next year. I mean, then they test your temperature, you know, when you walk in the door, it's hot outside anyways. Maybe they say, oh, you're infected, you can't come in. Everybody's really unsure. It's, it's a very strange time. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what what will happen. I hope I hope it comes back. I miss it really badly. I miss yeah. my friends. I miss I miss the people. You know, when you're touring, it's kind of a headache. You know, the stress and everything. And then you when you're not there, 
then you really feel lost. You know, you're like, oh, I miss my friends. Like today I wrote, God, I miss you. I miss you. And blah, blah, blah. Like you, I was supposed to meet you at Trauma. Yeah. 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 I really, I, I, I was so excited to come to the show, but I think it was canceled like four days before or something. It was right at the start of the pandemic, I think. It was horrible because I remember that when it happened, I know that we were sold the show out. It was going to be full. And uh, the weekend before, they said this virus was really taking off in Italy. Because I was recording in uh, Cadogno, which is 30 minutes here in the studio. And the producer has a music school. And then he told me one day, the next day, I can't work today. Something's going on. There's a virus. They told me to close the school. I'm like, huh? And then the bridge to that city from my village was closed. And then I think that was a Saturday. And then on Tuesday, they closed all of North Italy down where I couldn't cross the border. I thought, well, I'll just take the backcountry highways and try. And then they said, if you do that, you get in trouble. And then I was left with no choice. Uh, magical heart. They said, oh, we're going to play anyways. I said, I don't think so. And yeah. then it was horrible. I lost yeah. two shows that week. Yeah. Yeah, I think at that time, everything in Germany was still open, like the bars were still open and concerts were still allowed. But I think a week or two afterwards, everything was locked down. Yeah. And, and I felt terrible. I spoke with Chrissy and I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Can we reschedule? She said, no, 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 no. We'll talk about it later. We're still open. We're going to have a show. And then they canceled anyways, but I, I can't leave the country. I mean, Italy was locked down. Yeah. I, I had no choice. I think, actually, I think the borders are still all closed down around Germany. Because I, I live uh, live pretty near, actually, to the borders to Czech Republic and not that far away to the border to Austria. And I also have, I think it's like six kilometers to Czech Republic. So I know people over there and a lot of people work in Germany who are from Czech Republic, but uh, none of them can work right now because they're not allowed to come to Germany. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so much bigger than me wanting to play live. I mean, I know many people in America are suffering and... Uh, <laughs> I hope this stops. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, so, um, another question. Um, you already mentioned the guitarist Andy Susemil, and I know you worked together before, so um, how did you guys originally meet? Uh, I was doing uh, Eat the Heat with Accept, and Andy was in the studio next to me doing Meme Machine with UDO. And uh, in those days, and they were not sure about me, and Udo was not sure about Andy. So we really had nobody to hang around with, so we would go to the pub and get drunk <laughs> <laughs> and talk about, you know, how horrible it was. We didn't know the situation, and we became friends. So this would be 1987, 1988. And then I went to see a UDO show with him, uh, with Accept, and I remember being on the tour bus and uh, Wolf's wife was there and, and Andy and I were doing all-star wrestling with Matthias Deed and all these guys and Stefan Schwarzman. We were all just friends. And uh, after that, after I left Accept, I hadn't spoken to Andy for mm, 
well, it'll be 2007 is when I saw him again. I was in a pub in Germany on a Halloween party and he walked up behind me and scratched my back. And I, I jumped and turned around. He goes, hey, I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, I heard you'd be here. I wanted to say hello. I said, wow, great to see you. So we decided to do an album again together. And that was Universal Language, my first solo album. And then uh, we did a few other albums besides that. We've been friends for, wow, 32 years, 31 years. We're, we, we know each other very well. He is probably one of the most underrated, finest guitar players in the world. He is Gary Moore, Michael Schenker, and all these things, but he also is Andy Susamil. And you can tell on the album how great he is. And, and he produced and mixed the album, <clears throat> and he arranged it. So, I mean, the guy is a, a brilliant, gifted man. I'm very lucky to work with him. Yeah, I think the two of you really make a great team. The songs mm -hmm. you wrote together are, are really great. We talked about that last night, he and I. He's got a new solo album coming out. Uh, he has an EP coming out, a new single's out, out right now. It's called Burning Man. And then he has an album coming out later in the year. And we talked about Cacophony of Souls, how sad it is that we couldn't go tour because we did. I had two other guitar players last year on the UDO tour and they left the band. And I had seen Andy on the, on the Udo tour uh, in Stuttgart. And we looked at each other and I said, I need to be working with you. And he goes, yeah, me too. <clears throat> so so conveniently, when those guys left, I called Andy. I said, hey, I have eight shows left this year. You want to do it? He said, absolutely. So while we were doing that, we, we wrote Metal Voice and Blood in Our Hands. And we started playing it live. And, uh, and it really worked. People go, wow, is that the new direction? I go, yeah, that's where we're going. And people are like, great. So uh, that's how that started, and we and we did all the all the vocals. I think um, end of August, September for that album last year, at his house, at his home studio. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky. He's very very talented man. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, when people want to stay up to date with what you're doing and what news are coming out, what's the best way to get in touch with you and to stay up to date? David Reese Official on Facebook and davidreeseofficial.info. Uh, I have a website. And anybody that's purchased the album or has cool photos of us together, I have a, a lot of different little places if you've seen the site. One is Rock, My Rock and Roll Family, where I post people who bought the album or from the old days. And then I have uh, The Future It Rocks, The Past It Rolls. I have a lot of old Accept photos there. Um, if you go to that website, davidreeseofficial.info, you can see that stuff. And if, like I said, if you have the album, the new album or Resilient Heart or anything in my past, send me a photo on Facebook and I'd love to post it on there because I, I like to keep current with that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you so much again for taking your time and for answering all my questions. It was it's a pleasure. And it's so it's really, it's so great to, to, to talk to you. You too. I'm sorry. I heard you had to drive a long way. Matt told me uh, that you were driving maybe 100 miles or something to come see us play. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's like a four-hour drive or something. Yeah. He said, oh, my God, this is horrible. Lily's driving. She's on the guest list. This is horrible. She wants to interview you. <coughs> but finally, we get to meet. Yeah, we will. Someday we will. Uh, when, the, yeah. when the new two dates are out, when we're allowed to go show, to shows again, I will definitely be there. And I played, I played a lot of shows in the Czech Republic in my life, and I actually do pretty well, though. So I really want to go back to Czech Republic. So maybe that would be easier for you. Yeah, so, maybe. 
yeah, yeah. We, we will see when the two dates are out. I'll just pick the show that's easiest for me. I hope so. Okay. Well, uh, have a great day. You all. Enjoy, enjoy going rollerblading with your wife. <laughs> I will. I can't wait. I just had them repaired. I had new wheels put on. She went to pick them up. So I'm going to go break my neck now. And uh, <laughs> when your interview is ready, can you please share on my uh, um, uh, website, David Reese Official? Sure. I would love to share it and put it on, on my website and on David Reese Official Facebook. I like to share it. Sure, yeah. I'll put it up on YouTube. Perfect. And uh, I can send you a LinkedIn. Perfect. Awesome. Yes. Vielen Dank, Lily. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.